0: and
1: coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Fit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: Standing by to help you with your home improvement projects. Solve those do-it-yourself dilemmas. There's no excuse, folks. Time to get going because we are here to help. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't think it's going to be more than you can handle. We are here to help you handle that project. Help yourself first, though, by picking up the phone and dialing this number, 888-666-3974, Money pit. That is the number you need to know to get to us so that we can help you get that project done around the house. And we know you got it. We know there's a list somewhere with your name on it and stuff that has to be done. So let's check off one or two of those items and let us help you do that. 888 666 3974 Coming up this hour, can you really see what you're doing at home without proper lighting? That is not possible. In fact, If you are one of the 21 million Americans whose eyesight is not 100%, it's an even bigger issue. So this hour, we're going to have some tips to teach you how to make sure your home is well lit and safe all the time.
2: And do you find that you're rushed for time? Seriously, who isn't these days? <laughs> well, believe it or not, it's time management month. Yes, there is a month for everything. And it's, <laughs> it is time <laughs> management month. And it's a good thing, too, because we've got an extra day in this month, this year. So coming up, we're going to lend you a hand by giving you a list. That's right. A list of home repairs that you can do in less than a half an hour.
1: Sounds good. We're also going to be talking to a true woodworking master this hour. Tommy McDonald is going to join us. He is host of the hit PBS show, Rough Cut. He's got a new book out. He's going to be here to give us some tips, some tricks of the trade that can help you with your woodworking projects around the house.
2: And also ahead this hour, we are nearing the end of cold and flu season, but we are not out of the woods yet. Now, one way that you can fight off those bugs is to keep the humidity level in your home up to at least 40%. And we're giving one caller a Honeywell easy to care cool mist humidifier that can do just that. And it's worth $55.
1: Going to go out to one caller that picks up the phone and reaches us with their home improvement question. So why not make that caller be you? 888 3974 Let's get right to it. Leslie, who's first?
2: Karen in Kansas has taken on a tiling project. How can we help you with that?
3: Yes, we were wondering the difference between the Snapstone. What's the pros and cons of that and the traditional?
1: Well, I mean, the Snapstone is an easy installation. It's really aimed at DIYers. And mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier to put it together. I mean, you don't have to align them because you'll get like sort of perfect mm-hmm. uh, quarter like, inch or so. It out already. Yeah, you get like perfect grout lines with it. Um, you can actually physically take them apart and reuse them if you want. But uh, it's just a lot easier for a DIYer to install them. Are you going to do this yourself?
3: Yes, that's we were going to try starting in our bathroom and see how it looked and yeah. if it worked. If we could do it right, then we were going to. Continue on into the kitchen and dining
1: room. Well, what you're probably going to need to do is rent a wet saw, because right, cutting the tile is what separates the pros from the DIYers. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. have the right, if you have the right tools, it's really easy. If you don't, it's just not. And uh-huh. tiling is very unforgiving. But if it's a small area, a small project, and you've never done tile before, I think you know going with the snapstone is probably a good first uh, attempt. It, it, it'll be probably more forgiving than if you did it with regular tile.
3: Cost-wise, I mean, uh, how long would it last compared to the other, do you think?
1: I think it should last the same time, which is pretty much indefinitely. Really? Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, the only downside I can see is that you've only got 11 tile choices, so you got to like what they've got. Whereas if Uh you're uh, installing tile in a traditional sense, you, you know, sky's the limit as far as tile choice, layout, pattern, design, everything. You know, so if you're okay with something... You know, in their color palette, which seems like a good run. You know, it looks like there could be something for your job. You know, then I say, do it.
3: Okay. Well, thank you so very much.
1: You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
2: Now we've got Dave in Ohio, who's dealing with some seams in the drywall. Tell us what's going on.
4: Well, uh, my garage, my attached garage, is finished, um, but I've noticed that in the winter time, uh, the seams will pop. And crack, uh, and then over the summer i I retaped and respackled and repainted, and that was in may, and then by December, they had popped again and it's okay. getting really frustrating um, it's also uninsulated it 's unheated okay. and uninsulated, so i'm trying to figure out what I can do to fix this permanently
2: well. The, the issue that you're dealing with primarily is that you've got drywall in an unconditioned space. So you're getting a lot of movement throughout the seasons, which is causing those seams to sort of open up and become visible for you. Now, when you're repairing them, are you using traditional drywall tape or are you using that mesh tape?
4: I've been using, I used the mesh tape this
1: last time.
2: Okay. And still it popped open again?
4: It still popped, yes.
1: Did you remove the old tape before you put yes. the mesh tape down? How many layers of spackle did you put down? After the tape, I believe it was one.
2: Okay. Okay. You're supposed to do three. You want to start with one that's, you know, approximately the size of the tape. Smooth it out. Let it dry. Sand it down. Put another layer. Get a little bit wider. Feather out. Let it dry. Sand it down. And go with your widest let that dry sand it and that really seals the tape in and allows for a smooth transition. I mean you're dealing with an you know a finished garage, but it's still a garage space. You want it to look good, but you're putting an awful lot of work into it.
1: Yeah. This yes. this is like Groundhog Day home improvement. Every day you wake up, you got to do it all over, all over again. <laughs> The thing is that when builders construct these spaces, they're not required to put more than one coat of spackle on because it's just for fire resistance. So we end up getting stuck with these houses that have tape that fall off over the years because it just wasn't finished spackled. So the key here is to remove the old loose tape, sand the area so you have good adhesion, you know, not aggressively, but just lightly sand, use the perforated tape that's like the sticky back perforated tape kind of looks like netting, three coats of spackle Prime paint and that should be permanent.
4: Okay, that sounds great.
1: All right, Dave, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. Now you can call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888 Money Pit.
1: 888-666-3974. Up next, do you ever feel like you're living in the dark? Perhaps because you just don't have the right lighting? We're going to have some tips to help you make sure your home is lit for safety and security after this.
0: This is Jeopardy!
3: Uh, I'll take a uh, wasteful of money in 1,000. This phrase for a house that keeps needing costly repairs is also the name of a home improvement radio show.
0: Alex. What is a Money Pit? Good. The Money Pit is brought to you by ODL's add-on blinds. Enclosed behind tempered glass, they eliminate the need for dusting and exposed cords, both problems with traditional blinds plus they easily install over your existing entry glass. Visit www.odl.com to learn more.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Fed Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler
0: and I'm
2: Leslie Segretti.
1: Hey, did you know that if you keep your home at the right humidity level, which is about 40 to 60%, you can drastically cut down on the chances of viruses surviving in your home? So, how do you manage that? Well, one great way is with a Honeywell personal humidifier. And one caller this hour will get a Honeywell easy to care cool mist humidifier worth 55 bucks. Going to go out to one caller that reaches us with their home improvement question. It's a perfect size for your bedroom or your office. So call us right now at 888 Money Pit 888-666-3974 for your chance to win.
2: All right, now we've got Doug in Delaware on the line working on a basement project. What can we do for you?
3: I have a problem with finishing my basement. Right. I've gone in going in to get a permit, and I'm getting conflicting uh, viewpoints on whether I should install a plastic sheeting barrier between the studs and my poured concrete wall.
1: Hmm. Well, do you have a moisture problem down there? Have you ever had flooding or dampness?
3: No, uh, a little bit of dampness. I've noticed that some things do mildew over the uh, time right. period, but okay. uh, it's, it's not a great problem.
1: Okay, well, we can give you some, some uh, good tips on this. Um, First of all, let's talk about making sure that the area below grade stays as dry as possible. Before you finish that basement, you want to really examine your exterior drainage conditions, making sure that your gutters are clean, they're free-flowing, the downspouts are extended four to six feet from the house, and that the soil around the foundation perimeter slopes away as well. Doing so is going to reduce the volume of humidity and moisture that's going to wick out through those walls into that basement space. Now, when it comes to actually assembling the basement walls, you want to frame those walls, and you don't want to frame them, though, against the concrete. You want to frame them and leave a few inches in between the wall and the concrete. So you're going to leave an airspace behind it. And this way, um, you're not going to have direct contact between the studs and the wall. You'll Uh avoid a potential mold problem there. Uh, and you'll also have the ability for air to circulate. One additional way you can facilitate that circulation is by adding sort of fake heating vents in the wall, a couple down low, a couple up high. And so air will circulate from the inside of the finished basement back through the wall uh, and around.
3: Uh-huh. Okay, that sounds reasonable.
1: Now, when it comes to the uh, the drywall material, you have a, a, a couple of good options out there.
2: Hmm. And you know, there's it, it's a really smart decision to go with something that's truly made for these high moisture spaces like basements. And um, there's one from Georgia Pacific called Den's Armor Plus. And instead of the traditional paper facing that they put on a drywall product, they're using fiberglass. So there's no mold food. It's moisture resistant. You're not going to grow any kind of mold in your basement. And then you finish it with fiberglass tape, you know, to get your seams. And then you can paint it, wallpaper whatever you wanted to do. It finishes just like traditional drywall but it's truly made for the space and really does not cost that much more, so it's worth it to consider or at least go out there and get it if you are finishing the basement space.
3: Uh Our local code does allow for uh, for a one-inch gap between the studs and the concrete wall, Um, and they recommend an insulation with a moisture barrier in it, the facing of it, on the warm side of the room. Um, And you said a couple inches, so that's...
1: Well, I mean, it's okay. What I don't like to see is walls constructed right up against it. So if you want to put a, a an acceptable foundation insulation product on that, either the foam board, there's also some wrap products that more look like sort of a fiberglass blanket with a foil face. That's all fine, but I wouldn't attach the walls right to the concrete. I would build the walls in front of it.
3: Uh, a plastic film between the studs and the wall wouldn't stop the moisture?
1: Well, the moisture is going to get in one way or the other. Putting the film is not going to hurt it. Um, but I think if you manage the moisture from the outside, that's the best way to reduce the volume of humidity.
3: Uh huh. Okay. Sounds doable. Thank you
5: very much. Let's You're very time. welcome. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
2: Well, do you really have enough light in your home? chances are probably not now a well home it looks bigger and it can be much safer as well and here's what you need to achieve that now in your living and reading areas you obviously need plenty of floor lamps and table lamps but here's a common mistake that leads to injury you want to make sure that those table lamps that they point toward the activity and not towards you
1: Good point. And one area where direct lighting is really important is the kitchen. So if you've got one main overhead light source, consider adding additional pendant light fixtures above the work surfaces. This way, you'll have the light exactly where you need it.
2: Now, if you've got a room that's really just tough to fill with natural light, like perhaps if it's only got one window, an easy fix is to place mirrors in strategic places around that room, which is going to help bounce the light around. And for window coverings, you want to make sure that you use adjustable blinds, maybe sheer curtains or draperies, because they allow for the adjustment of natural light, and that'll help keep it bright.
1: And if someone you love has vision problems, you can also take advantage of high contrast colors. Put a dark switch plate on a light wall, for example, or choose bright colors for furniture and accessories. And make sure those trip and fall hazards are all cleaned up. 888-666-3974. Let's get back to those phones. Leslie, who's next?
2: Now we've got Mary in New Jersey, who's dealing with a very Northeast winter problem, icicles. Tell us what's going on at your money pit.
3: Well, we had a new roof put on, and we had a 72 inch uh, ice shield put under the uh, shingles. So we have no water coming in, but we've noticed a lot of icicles along the um, house. Yep. Some are five feet long.
1: Yeah, and they're pretty, too, huh?
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, beautiful sight.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, what's your concern, Mary?
3: Well, one person said probably the insulation is not enough in the attic, and another person says if you put too much insulation, you'll have a problem, too.
1: So I don't know who to believe. You're barking up the wrong tree. First of all, the icicles that are forming have nothing to do with the ventilation or the insulation in your roof. It's just a natural occurrence of the meltdown of uh, the snow and the ice on the roof rolling over the gutters, and when it gets to the gutter space or the overhang area, that is not over the heated area of the house, obviously, so there it tends to freeze. So water runs down and it freezes there, and it does drip over the edge and form those beautiful icicles. The fact that you put the ice and water shield in was a good thing, because what that's doing is that's stopping that... Ice from forming what we call an ice dam, where the water strikes it and backs up and gets under the shingles and then leaks into the house. So there's really there's really nothing wrong with your roof because you've you've formed ice. That's very very normal given the winter that that we've had in this country.
3: Well, I've noticed some of the other houses and none of the other houses either had icicles or if they had them, they weren't as long as ours. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of trees around the house. Maybe that. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, that... the,
1: the amount of sunlight you get is going to affect the melt rate. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be too terribly concerned about it, as long as they're not going to fall off and hurt anybody. You know, it's hard water, it's pretty stuff. So I would okay, just, yeah. I would just <laughs> live with beauty. it. Okay, All right.
3: <laughs> okay. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. I thought for a moment she was going to say, but I put ice and water shield on the roof. How come I still get icicles?
2: You know, it's funny. It's one of my husband's favorite chores this past winter season was tackling the ginormous icicles that we'd get on that lovely little overhang. Oh, is he an icicle breaker? He is. He'd, you know, we'd get these icicles, pretty big, scary looking ones on the overhang, like right above our front door. So if I didn't answer the door fast enough, you know, it's like, well, watch out. Yeah. But it was like his favorite thing to do. Catherine in Tennessee is on the line with an outside painting project. Tell us what you're working on.
3: Okay, it's painting the house on the outside. I have a wood shingle siding. Okay. And I want to know, is there a stain that's equivalent to an oil-based paint so I can add linseed oil to protect the shingles?
1: You don't have to get quite so complicated, uh, Catherine. You don't have to invent your own finish by using linseed oil And stain on top of that. Uh, When you stain shingles, you typically prime them first and then you put a solid color stain on top of that. That gives you excellent adhesion that will protect the shingles and result in a color that can last, you know, 8, 10, even 15 years. I mean, I have a cedar shingle house and I did. Just that, and my house has been hasn't been repainted in, in probably close to 15 years right now because the siding never needed it, the stain held perfectly.
2: That's great, okay. And,
1: and by the way, you know, what we had before that for about 20 years linseed oil,
2: right?
3: Well, so, that's what right. I used before with oil based painting, it helps to uh, preserve
1: the paint job, right so right? Yeah. Well, you know, linseed oil is great, but, I mean, technology's caught up, and if it's properly primed and properly stained, you can get a very beautiful, long-lasting finish on wood siding.
2: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Hey, have you always considered woodworking as being left, you know, best to the pros? Well, not so, says Tommy McDonald, and he's the host of the PBS show Rough Cut. He's going to tell you why after this.
4: 888
0: pit
1: good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, when you think of woodworking, you probably think of a highly specialized skill that not many folks have. But basic woodworking, it's not as difficult as you might think if you've got the right tools and the techniques to go along with it.
1: And the right guy to help here to talk about it is Tommy McDonald. He is host of PBS's Rough Cut Woodworking with Tommy Mack. Welcome, Tommy. Hey, Tommy. How are you, Leslie? We're well. Now, uh, you have uh, spent a lifetime developing your woodworking skills. That's a rarity these days. Congratulations. (laughs)
5: Yeah, I have.
1: Tell us about your background.
5: You know, I I started woodworking uh, in the sixth grade, believe it or not. Um, When I was in middle school, my... Town has a um, it has a Volk Tech school, and I used to go there after school, and I learned all sorts of different uh, mechanical arts. You know, I even took some culinary classes. But when it was time to go to high school, I focused in on carpentry and woodworking.
1: Yeah, and I see that you actually uh, applied to the North Bennett Street School on, uh, which is a very internationally known craft and trade school in Boston's North End. So. Uh, you really have taken this quite seriously. You've become really an artist in your craft. You. You've got a great show now on, on PBS, as it said, called Rough Cut. Let's talk about sort of the lost art of woodworking and start there. You know, with a number of people going into uh, this line of work or even taking up on a hobby, it seems to be dwindling. What do you get into that?
5: Yeah, you know, I thought it was dwindling as well until I started to hit the road. And uh, it's amazing wh- what I've been exposed to since I've been on television and There are so many woodworkers out there. It's really amazing. and I just think, um, you know, it was one of those things that was forgotten about by a lot of people because we're so used to going to uh, big box stores and and, and furniture stores that, you know, are gigantic. We're in a society where we want everything right now. And, you know, woodworking takes a little bit of time. (laughs) So if you have a little patience, I'm sure you can find an artist in your area that would be more than happy to build something specifically for you.
2: Now, what about... A person who's a do-it-yourselfer and wants to sort of take on, you know, starter woodworking, are there a set of tools that you recommend? Is there a project that seems more doable for a beginner? How do you start?
5: Well, you know, how I started, I just got introduced to to simple projects. Uh, I always tell people, if you think you're going to get into this hobby, you know, just don't go out and spend a ton of money. You know, I remember one time I got really hot on um, fly fishing, and I spent about fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars on all this fly fishing gear. And I went to the middle of the woods in Maine, and I went fly fishing one time, and I got attacked by all the bugs and whatnot. And I've never gone fly yeah. fishing since. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and that was so, it. you know, if you if you want to get into this hobby, start small and start a project that's doable. Like you know, any of the projects that we do on the Rough Cut Show, especially you know something like the, the uh, shaker step stool. Is a great project, or try a simple table, or maybe like a, even an easy coffee table. Anything just to, to to get your hands used to doing the work, you know. And and don't spend a ton of money on the tools.
1: Now, if you are just getting started with a tool collection, what's your opinion on, say, the five best tools to start with? Let's let's say power tools.
5: Depending on the the, the size of your shop, if I had to choose between, say, you know, a table saw or a bandsaw, I would get a bandsaw. A 14 inch bandsaw would probably be best suited for any shop, and they 're under a thousand bucks you know um, a router table is is really really versatile and pretty important, which I think mm-hmm. is a great tool. I would suggest getting an eight inch joiner you know I know when I first started, I bought a four inch and a six inch, and I outgrew both of them pretty quick, so you know I would suggest getting an eight that 's basically you know the biggest one or the smallest one rather that you can use for almost any project around the shop. Um, I would definitely invest in a surface planer, you know, one of those thirteen and a half inch uh, mm-hmm. bench top is uh, pretty nice. Or, you know, if you really start to get into it, you can buy one, you know, relatively inexpensive. I would certainly recommend a good bench. You know, you can't underestimate the importance of a really good bench in your shop. Uh, when I first started, it was on a pair of uh, saw horses and a piece of right. plywood, like everybody else. You know, yep. But a bench would make it much easier. Um, for hand tools, I would get a number four. plane, I would get a good set of bench chisels. I would certainly get good marking tools, um, combination squares and such, you know. Yep. I would certainly get shoulder planes are nice, but they're not definitely needed. Um, A good mallet, definitely a good mallet, you know.
1: Yeah, I think that covers it.
5: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean... For a few bucks, I mean, you're definitely on your way.
1: You know, it's a good list. And I think when you, it, it points out the difference between folks that are doing repair and remodeling projects around the house and those that are serious woodworker, we're, woodworkers, we're talking to a serious woodworker here, there are serious woodworkers listening, thinking, you know, he's right. Um, I really haven't used the table saw as much as I thought I would. Maybe I should be thinking about a bandsaw. And as you get more into it, you start to really appreciate the value of the projects. It's not quantity anymore when you're a woodworker. It's not like carpenter, you're trying to bang something out. It's quality.
5: Absolutely. You know, I was a carpenter for a long time, and I had a completely different set of tools, yep. you know, when I was a trim carpenter, even a framer. But, you know, in shop, you have designated areas for you, and, and they really are pretty versatile, and you'd be amazed what you could do on a bandsaw. You can cut legs. you can cut shapes, you can do all sorts of different type of work. So in a pinch, that's a really great tool.
1: Good point. Tommy McDonald, host of Rough Cut Woodworking with Tommy Mack. Great advice. Thanks so much for taking some time with us today, Tommy. If you'd like to check out Tommy's work, you can go to the Rough Cut website, which is at thomasjmacdonaldcom slash roughcutwoodworking. You can also uh, check out Rough Cut TV on Facebook. When does the show air?
5: Uh, well, the show airs all around the country at different times. So if you go to that website, there's a station finder. Just pop in your zip code, and it'll tell you where and when it's playing in your location.
1: All right. Tommy McDonald, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit.
5: All right, guys. I appreciate it.
2: So do you think you just simply don't have the time to be a do-it-yourselfer? Think again. We're going to discuss some home repairs that you can complete in 30 minutes or less after this.
0: You live in the Money Pit. Money pit is brought to you by ODL's add-on blinds. And close behind tempered glass, they eliminate the need for dusting and exposed cords, both problems with traditional blinds. Plus, they easily install over your existing entry glass. Visit www.odl.com to learn more.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit home improvement radio show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 888 Pit. One caller this hour is going to get a great way to help stay healthy at home. It's a Honeywell easy to care cool mist humidifier and this can greatly reduce a virus's chance of surviving in your home and it's also great because the parts of this humidifier are dishwasher safe and actually fit in your dishwasher and that's going to keep the mold away and it's worth 55 bucks so give us a call at 888-MONEYPIT for your chance to win.
1: 888-666-3974.
2: Claire in Alaska, you've got the money, pit. how can we help you today?
3: Hi. I want to build a sauna
2: okay. at
0: my
3: home. And um, I've been to the home shows where these, they sell these very expensive $7,000 packages, and we can't afford that. So mm. might there be a problem with using several of the clear or red infrared bulbs that are sold at the hardware stores, and how can we tell what wattage is enough for our Sauna
1: space. Yeah, I don't think that you're going to get enough heat with those infrared bulbs. You know, it certainly would make it warm, but it's no sauna. You have to have a sauna heater at least. If you're going to build the room yourself, then that's fine. But I think you have to start by selecting a, a proper sauna heater. For me, I'm going to just look for a good electric heating coil, and 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 you know that has sort of rocks that surround it because I love to throw the hot water on the hot coils and. Have it steam up.
3: (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate your help.
1: Well, if you keep telling your spouse or significant other that you don't have time to do anything around the house, sorry, we're going to call your bluff right now. Because if you have 30 minutes or maybe less, we've got some important improvements that you can make to your home. First up, you know that window that hasn't opened since maybe Seinfeld was on in prime time? (laughs) It's probably because it's painted shut. To fix it, grab a putty knife, break the paint seal. If it still won't budge, here is the core trick of the trade. Put a block of wood on top of the lower window sash, the wood part, not the glass part, and tap that wood with a hammer. That will break the seal free. A little bit on the left, a little bit on the right. I've gotten dozens and dozens of windows free with that little trick.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, if you use disposable fiberglass filters in your heating and cooling system, they need to be replaced every month. That's right. Every month. Write that down. Every 30 days, change those filters. But you want to be sure to pay attention to the arrow on the filter and make sure that you've got it facing in the correct direction. Now, you can also clean the coils on your refrigerator. What? You're supposed to do that Yes, it is surprising how many people just don't realize that these coils must be cleaned for your refrigerator to work correctly. Just pull the unit away from the wall and vacuum. It is that easy.
1: Now, here's another easy project you can take on. You can check your house for water leaks in less than 30 minutes. Here's what you need to do. First, turn off all running water and then check your water meter. If it's moving, you might have a leak somewhere. Another way to do this is to go to the water meter, write down or just grab your iPhone and take a quick picture of it so you remember exactly where it was, then come back 30 minutes or even an hour later and see if it moved. If you have any movement, you may very well have a leak somewhere. But tackling little projects like this will definitely save you time in the long run and help you kind of get started in the big, wide, wonderful world of DIY. It doesn't all have to be an overwhelming activity. There's tons and tons of easy, simple, very quick projects that you can do. So don't get overwhelmed. Just take on one or two and you'll feel that much better for it.
2: Jim in Texas has a question about the eaves in his home. What can we do for you today?
4: Yes. Uh, several months ago, my wife and I bought a 15-year-old home here in Tyler, and the uh, I've noticed that the eaves, and there, there are eight corners to the house, and all the corners under the eaves uh, seems to be rotting. And I just wondered if there's some way to patch that, repair that, without replacing that, I think it's plywood.
1: Yeah, so you're talking about the soffits when you say the eaves, the underhang of the roof overhang? Yes,
4: the, okay. the underneath, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. And it's plywood and it's rotting. So there yeah. are patching materials that are sort of epoxy-based that you can use to fill in rotted areas, but plywood tends to be pretty flexible, and this is better used on something like a rotted windowsill.
2: Mm-hmm, that's uh, not going to get a lot of movement.
1: Right, if the plywood is, in fact... Uh, what's rotted, it's really so easy to replace that that it's not worth patching it.
4: Oh, okay. I just never had done that before. And uh, someone recommended Durham's uh, water putty.
1: I've used that for years. My dad used to use that stuff. I mean, it's been around my house forever. And it's very handy. So if it's really small areas of rot, then Durham's rock-hard water putty is an old standard.
4: Okay. So if just a small, like several inch uh, square, it would be okay to use that?
1: Yeah, as long as it's going to hold it. As long as you have enough there to hold it, you should be okay.
4: All right. Well, very good. That's uh, my next project I have to do. So uh, I've got to get that taken care of. I think it was because the leaves weren't cleaned out
1: of the gutters
2: probably. It was overflowing. Mm. Yeah, that'll do it. And too much water was filling up on
1: Overflowing at the corners. Yeah, that'll do it. Well, thank you very much. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, are you growing tired of your same old living room, but maybe have no money in the budget to do the fix-up? We're going to have some ideas for a no-cost pick-me-up next.
0: You live in a Money Pit. It is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom
2: Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, it might not seem possible at this time of the year, but get this spring is really just around the corner. And this year we can help you with your spring cleaning. So go to moneypit.com and search spring cleaning. You're going to get tips and lists to make sure that your house will sparkle when the sun actually does decide to come out and stay out. And while you're online, you can post your question in the community section. I've got one from Chris who wrote, I'm running out of space for storage. Do you have any tips on creating extra storage in my attic? My roof is trust-built. What kind of challenges does that pose?
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, so if you have a regular, what we call stick-built house, It's easy to add flooring because you just put it on top of the bottom sort of ceiling joist. But when it's truss built, the bottom ceiling joist is usually a two by four. And that's a problem because you can't squish the insulation. You can't Mm -hmm. even get the boards in. So I will tell you that I did a trick of the trade once when I had this exact situation. And I was able to kind of create a floor by adding additional. I think I used a two by six to the side of the trusses. So if anyone's ever seen trusses, you know, they're all these crisscross kind of flat Mm -hmm. framed units. And if you put a two by six on the side of it and put them all in a row, so they end up being very flat in terms of the continuous surface, I was able to put them up high enough so they were above the insulation. And then I floored that. And the other thing I did is instead of flooring with um, plywood, which is hard to handle, I floored it with one by six, I think number three spruce, which is really sort of like a junky quality wood, almost like pallet grade. But right. I picked up like, I think it was like six or 800 square foot of storage in the attic by doing it this oh, way in the lot. trust attic. And that was a lot. Now, the only problem is that it's once you put this in, it's going to be higher than like the ceiling level. So you have to need a pretty good tall ladder to get up there because you have to get into the ceiling then you have to go up like another foot or so to start getting to the storage platform. But you listen, if it's all you got, it's totally a good thing to do. And it'll give you all kinds of cool space to put stuff. But I wouldn't put like your really heavy collection of like, you know, like the the iron weights that you bought because you thought you were going to work out and you decided <laughs> not to. You just bought it at that weak moment when you're sitting on your couch with a bowl of ice cream in your lap. You right. can't put that stuff up there, but you can put everything else up there, including all the seasonal storage.
2: And that could be considered as your workout, transporting everything upstairs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's National Pull Your Sofa Off the Wall Month. Seriously, I did not just make that up. The month actually exists. And if it leaves you scratching your head like it did me, listen to today's edition of Leslie's Last Word, because you actually have made a lot of sense out of this, and it's a pretty cool idea.
2: That's right. You know, we can laugh all we want about pull your sofa off the wall month. But seriously, pull your sofa off of the wall. Yes, there actually really is this entire month dedicated to the awareness of moving your furniture from against the wall. But seriously, the point here is that you can completely change the look and the feel of your room for free by simply rearranging your furniture. It is a common misconception that, you know, when you pull your sofa or any piece of furniture from against the wall that you're losing space, but you don't. Now, you can actually gain space for lighting or a walkway behind it, depending on the room. You can also add depth and interest to the room, and you can also have a sofa in the middle of your room, Even if you're not into feng shui, you should probably (laughs) listen to one of its rules and keep the back of your sofa from pointing towards the main door because it's going to block the traffic flow and then it's not really going to put your best furnishing foot forward, so to speak. So look at your living room with fresh eyes and see if a little scooting around of your furnishings can give your space a whole new feel.
1: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next week on the program is your meatloaf sweet and your cake salty? Well, if it is and you can't tell the ingredients apart, that might be because your kitchen isn't bright enough. We're going to have some tips to help you bring light to your kitchen workspaces with ideas for under-cabinet lighting on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
1: Remember, you can do it yourself.
2: But you don't have to do it
0: alone. You live in a Money Pit.